Hello, creeps and ghouls. You're listening to Martell's Movie Madness with your host, Ryan Martell and Cagney Larkin. So grab your popcorn and try to survive the movie madness. <laughs> They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? With my hook for a hand, I'll split you from your groin to your gullet. Hey y'all, welcome to Martell's Movie Madness. This is your host as always, Ryan Martell, and I am joined as always by... Cagney Larkin. Hey Ryan, what's up buddy? What's up partner? You, you are uh, super naked right now, do you want to address that <clears throat> or are we just going to, you know... Okay, so... Let the viewers just imagine it. Uh, we're recording this on uh, August 31st, 2020. Final day of August. Uh, there is currently... A storm coming this way, like a, a tropical, like a, a tornado or yeah. some shit, hurricane something, and uh, it decided it was going to pour down rain as I was walking to the car from the grocery store, <laughs> and I got soaked. Ryan showed up here just dripping wet, had to throw his clothes in the dryer. Yeah, my clothes are in Cagney's dryer. So uh, this episode is brought to you by Ryan's boxers that are dry as hell. <laughs> yes, my boxers are the only thing that are legitimately somewhat dry that I was wearing. My flip flops, everything is awesome. <laughs> well, we hopefully uh, we hope that wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, that you're not wet. The weather's great. Your clothes yes. are all dry, and you're ready to hear about some movies. Yeah, and we got some good ones to talk about this week. Uh, we're doing a special Candyman episode. Uh, we're talking about the Candyman trilogy, of course, the originals. Uh, the new one is supposed to come out in October. Hopefully, so maybe. Uh, Tenet got out finally. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I've heard some good things about New it. New Mutants finally came out after, what, eight years of yeah. development? And we had uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music finally come out. Yeah, it didn't get the theatrical release, though. It did. It did? Uh-huh. You can go see it in Spartanburg. Oh, wow. Yep. I didn't know that. I thought it was going to just be on the yeah, Technically, we could go see that at 9.45 tonight if you wanted. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know about all that. No, not at all. Yeah. So we still got a podcast after we yep. watch it. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, before we get into everything, though, we do have one date to plug. I guess it's still happening online uh, on the same day as it was going to be in person. Uh, 60 Second Horror Challenge is going to be October 17th online. Uh, go on their Facebook or Instagram for more information about that. Just type in 60 Second Horror Challenge. Uh, it'll come up. Um <clears throat> But yeah, so that's a sixty. That's a horror uh, film festival where every f- short film is under a minute long. So they show 60, 60 second or less horror films. A super action packed day of yeah. awesome horror shorts. All right, and now uh, remember, we're also doing Throwback Thursday episodes through September tenth. Uh, this week's episode is going to be episode fifteen with Mo Church, uh, recorded. Live at the milestone, so there's a little bit of background noise going on, but that's because we had nice bar patrons coming in and ordering yeah. drinks. 
but overall, that's a pretty good interview, so check that one out for sure. Uh, so, Cagney, what you been watching? I have uh, one awesome movie that I watched this week, man. It's available on Amazon Prime. I uh, absolutely loved it. It clocks in right at an hour, so if you're looking to kill an hour, this is the best way possible. A little movie called Karis Hell. Hell yeah. Uh, about a <laughs> carousel horse that uh, is sentient and uh, plops himself off of the carousel and uh, streaks revenge for a fat chubby kid named uh, Lunchbox is what they call him in the movie. And uh, he's pissed because Lunchbox rubbed some boogers all over him and oh. disrespected him for the final time. And uh, I gotta tell you, this movie had some of the sweetest fucking kills I've seen from a movie in so long. And the cool thing about it is the camera stayed on those kill shots way too long. <laughs> like, we sat with uh, the people getting killed for at least 15 seconds on some that, of them. And it was just awesome because you know the camera should have cut by now. <laughs> like, you know, uh, in any big budget Hollywood film, your kill scene is like one second. You know, you see that knife and then boom, we see a reaction. This, we see the unicorn uh, impale a neck. And watch it just dig and basically fuck the hole with the unicorn. <laughs> um, we've got some great stuff going on in this movie, man. Uh, it basically ends up terrorizing a party at the end. And some of the people at the party are fans of a fake TV show called My Little Uni. So, of course, a girl tries to seduce the unicorn and have sex with it. And uh, that's interesting. And then there's uh, what I think is probably one of the funniest things I've seen in the movie in so long. Uh, a pizza guy shows up at the party and the there's a woman that finds him at the party is automatically like trying to seduce him and she's like yeah you got something or she's like I got something I can give you and he gets up to her and whispers in her ear yeah you can give me 4239 plus tip <laughs> <laughs> that gag yeah. went on for about half an hour of him just like denying her sexual advances and asking for the money <laughs> and it just, Amazing. It never got old it was hilarious but that's carousel on amazon prime awesome kills great comedy some super creative shit it's super fun it's not, it doesn't look like an amazing million dollar budget movie which, because it isn't you know it looks like a $300 film, but they had fun with it, and I look forward to watching anything else that guy does. Uh, what about you, Ryan? What you think of this week? Uh, yeah, I watched a couple things. Um, not a lot, though. I've been watching a lot of Shit's Creek, so I'm counting that as my pick of the week. Uh, Eugene Levy's eyebrows. Yeah, Eugene <laughs> Levy and uh, his son uh, wrote and created the show, and uh, it's goddamn funny. Like, I just, the facial expressions that everybody makes are just classic. Uh, there's the deadpan, uh, best friend character, Stevie, that is like the, um, the concierge at the hotel mm -hmm. or whatever. And she's just hilarious. Um, all in all, it's just the perfect, uh, fish out of water story. Right. Rich people lose all their money. And the only thing they have that's, uh, still theirs is a town called Shit's Creek. That they own a damn yeah, town. They own a town. I've seen the first season of the show. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't really like blow me away or anything. I first never went back season's okay. Second season's definitely better. Yeah, picks up and a little third bit. season it, it keeps getting better. Yeah, right on. The longer you know the character, the more you know the characters. Yeah. The more you can kind of figure out how they're going to react to situations right, before right. they do. So you're like anticipating how they're going to freak out, 
and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's just great. That got, that adds to the humor of it for me. Um, but yeah, I also watched uh, Freeway Two on her Prime. Uh, Have you seen Freeway One? Yes, Freeway One is. Uh, I've never heard of these movies. Okay, the Freeway is a. Um, it's like a psychological thriller with okay. Kiefer Sutherland and uh, Reese Witherspoon. Right on. Great movie. Fucking fantastic movie. Freeway 2 is not that. <laughs> it's got um, Kiefer Sutherland or Reese Witherspoon? N- no, neither of them because Kiefer Sutherland's character dies in the first one. Okay. And then um, it's assumed that Reese Witherspoon lives happily ever after, I guess. But the, the thing is that they're both like uh, parables. They're mm. both like uh, the first one is a Red Riding Hood, Little Red Riding Hood kind of story, even with the uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character yeah. dressing up like her grandma at the end. So it's okay. like, yeah, it's really fucking, it's good though. It's super good. Yeah. Um, and then the second part is like more like Hansel and Gretel because mm-hmm. they have to fight an evil witch at the end. But what? Like, this it's supernatural? Uh, no, it's not supernatural. It's, you had, you had to see it to get it. It's, it does have to do, it does do. <laughs> but should cannibal. I see it? It uh, no, I mean, okay, so like, when I first watched this movie, I was like, "God, this movie's fucking bad." Yeah. But the longer I sat with it, I was just like, "It's just bad in comparison to the first movie." Because the first movie is like a classic. So iconic. you should look at them as two separate. Yeah, films. yeah. If they would have just okay, so this one has a subtitle. It's called "Confessions of a Trick Baby." That's the subtitle. Like trick Baby? So it's, it's Freeway 2, Confessions of a Cr- Trick Baby. That's like a very odd title. If they would have just named it Confession of a Tricks Baby, I might have liked this <laughs> Tricks, movie baby. a little bit better. <laughs> I was born uh, and bred. I also cereal. might not have watched Confessions of a Trick Baby. So Yeah. Uh, anyway, how much does a baby have to confess? I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. <laughs> it does have, um, what's her name from Orange is the New Black, Natasha... Uh, yeah, whatever. Wait, no. From American Pie and shit. Poofy Redhead? Yeah, yeah. What is her name oh, in, that's in the um, show? Um, oh, man. She was just an anti-birth. She's the one that's, all, that's turning on the girls. She turns everybody. Her name is Natasha Leone. Yeah, Natasha Leone. That's it. So she's the main character in this one. And, um... Yeah, that's pretty... She's... That's pretty much the extent. I mean, um... James uh, Gallo, the guy who did uh, Buffalo 66 or whatever, and uh, oh, Brown the, Bunny. The dude that sells his damn sperm on the internet. Yeah, he's in it. He plays the <laughs> witch, the quote-unquote witch at the end. Oh, uh, Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo. Vincent yeah, Gallo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. Because I love Buffalo 66. Yeah. Very good movie. Brown Bunny, no. Not uh, I, mean, I, don't, I haven't seen Brown Bunny, but he made it apparently the director's cut's good. But the, the full, the original cut. Is not good. I'm not sure what I watched, but I watched that in and Buffalo '66 together. Buffalo '66 way better. But so yeah, this one, uh, her uh, Natasha Leon's character and another uh, juvenile delinquent character. I don't, yeah. I don't know. They're supposed to be like teenagers, but it's like they're adults almost. They treat them like adults the whole movie. Oh, this movie came out in 1999. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. And uh, it, it's got cannibalism, it's got pedophilia, it's oh, got wow. murder. Oh, wow, Vincent looks very weird in this movie. It is very uh, over-the-top, and normally something I would celebrate, Like, yeah. but just because I thought it was like 
going to be this serious psychological thriller like the first one. I was kind of let down. A lot of the acting's not good in it either, so do what you will with but that. It looks like a cross-dressing Vincent Gala. Yeah, it is. Oh, dude, that's yeah. got to be pro- worth the cost of a visual. He plays, he plays a, he plays a Sister Gomez, and she she runs like a uh, cannibalistic yeah. pedophile ring. It's funny. There's some art in for Mexico. this for Freeway Two that looks like you know typical '90s, and then there's some art for it that just looks like a, like bad B yeah. movie blockbuster That's dollar bin art. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's it's, it's late nineties B movie gold. Yeah. But when you're expecting something that is as good as Freeway and you don't get that, you're kind of let down. So I'm gonna I'm giving it a two out of five. I originally had put down one point five, but I am gonna give it the credit of the fact that it is such a good exploitation movie at the end of the day. It's not a good freeway movie. It doesn't live yeah. up to that first movie, but it is a good exploitation movie. Uh, and then I also watched Rocco, which is a documentary about the porn star Rocco Sifredi, uh, the Italian guy who has the really big dick that fucks girls real hard. Okay. <laughs> um, this one's on Netflix. The other one, uh, Freeway 2, was on Prime. This is on Netflix. Um, it's really interesting because it's not shot in the way that a normal documentary is shot. Like, mm-hmm. with people doing sit-down interviews and, like, it shows you who everybody is. Like, their names pop up at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. They're mentioned by name. And then you never see, like, their name on the screen ever. So, like, I'm, like, getting confused. Well, and I'm like, <laughs> who the fuck are these people right now? Um, but I just guess I wasn't paying good enough attention. Right. Um but yeah, it kind of it, it chronicles the last year of his uh, career as a performer, right? And the way the the way every girl that he deals with looked at him in that movie, it was like they all fell in love with him just instantly. Like you know how when you know how when you're with somebody and like you're you're really intimate with somebody, and uh, and uh, y'all have been like serious for a while, yeah, and they give you that look. When, like, you guys are, like, but making out and shit. You love each other. Yeah. That's what these women were looking at him like. And I was just like, either they're really good actors or this man is, like, God. Because he literally could make any woman just, like, swoon. Every single one of them. They had that look in their eyes, that fucking uncontrollable fucking I hope you, I hope you don't look. idolize him for that. No, hell no. <laughs> I definitely don't. I mean, I, I idolize him for the fact um that he is he is he has a lot of good um ideals about the way he performs and the way he does uh what he, the porn he produces um uh, not to say he's not problematic a little bit but like he he does have some problematic aspects of his life uh but who doesn't um he had a kind of hard youth mm-hmm. uh which they talk about a little bit and um yeah, apparently all from in the all, talks of him, that's not the only hard thing he's got. Yeah, all in all, I think it's, this, is a, this is a very interesting watch. Um, there is some nudity, but it's not really pornographic. Like, they do show him, like, filming scenes and stuff, but there's never any close-ups or anything like that. You never see Dick going into vagina. Um, it's done in a very classy way. 
it's shot very artistically. It's almost like it's almost shot like a. I just uh, think it's funny that you say there. Yeah. Instead of using the term penetration, that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is Martell's movie Madness, so we're getting mad over here. Yeah, we're just um, uh, we're gonna tell you about the birds and the bees. But guys. it's also it's it's shot like a feature film almost. It doesn't look yeah. like a documentary when you're watching. Was it, it produced by Netflix? No, uh, I can't remember who was the, who produced it, but it's it, it's, it's on Netflix. It is a very good looking movie, and it is a very interesting subject. Uh, I gave it a three point five out of five. Uh, definitely would suggest watching it. It's interesting it is, that a uh, a porno <clears throat> documentary got a higher rating than a cross dressing Vincent Gallo. Yeah, uh, that's just how bad that movie is, though. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really interesting little documentary. It's only about an hour and a half long and if you don't mind reading subtitles because he does speak italian mm. in some of the scenes like it's oh that's why they film it's a good one yeah so he's uh talking italian man yeah he's fucking he is so fucking suave like i would suck his dick and i don't and i'm not you like heard a, it here first i'm not like attracted to him or anything like that like he's got a big dick don't get me wrong <laughs> dick's dick's nice the dick is nice okay. but you know <laughs> He could definitely talk my lips around his dick. Oh, moving on to uh, Candyman. Yes. Dun, 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 a Clive Candyman. Barker classic. Uh, not written by Clive Barker, per se. So let's say a those, 1992 uh, Candyman screenplay by Bernard <clears throat> Rose. Yes. Um, based on a story named The Forbidden. The Forbidden by from Clive one Barker. of his books of blood, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, just Clive Barker in general, man, such a visceral storyteller. Yes. Uh, just the imagery he has in his head, you know, all the way from uh, that story, uh, the Hellraiser story, you know, uh, yeah. just to be able to come up with those concepts and visualize those things and eventually bring them to screen, man. What a, what a For genius. For sure. Um, if you attach Clive Barker's name to anything, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give sure. it a shot. Because um, it has that elegance to it, man. And that, yeah. Um, I think... Overall, that's one of my favorite things about Candyman is that it's more of an elegant, almost looks like a made-for-television film, the way it's it's showcased. It doesn't have that big-budget, huge-feel, big-time spooky scenes to it. It puts it, it's a daylight horror film, it's in your face. And it almost feels like a, like it's made for television, you know. But like like you said, it's you can it's not a like huge it's not like a it's not polished to the point that it's big budget yeah but it is polished more than like a low gritty oh for sure and that's what would be. and that's where the elegance come from because yeah. it, the polish isn't in your face you know the um the thing i like the most about all of clive barker's movies is their gothic horror in a modern setting yeah and that is like something that i don't think people pull off too often they either want to do period pieces with gothic mm-hmm. horror or they fuck up doing modern gothic yeah. horror. Well, I mean, uh, I love, for example, you know, Crimson Peak yeah, and The yeah. Woman in Black. I haven't seen either, but I understand that they're good movies. I highly recommend we yeah, watch yeah, both yeah. of those for the podcast, do a gothic horror episode. But yeah, um, the very first Candyman has one of the, uh, the well, all three Candymans have incredible scores. Uh, but yeah, the, the first, first two. I, I know the, the same. first one is Philip Glass. Yeah, Philip Glass's yeah. Uh, scores. He's the composer. And uh, that, it's just beautiful music. I listen to it all the goddamn time. Yeah, and he still makes money off of that to, yeah. to this day. It's still I, I listen to that soundtrack in my car, literally, just chilling, riding down the street, <laughs> listening to Candyman music. Yeah, good piano on there. It's good shit. 
Um, it's incredibly hard to come across that on vinyl, though. Part two is a little bit more easy to come mm-hmm. across. You're still going to pay about 75 bucks for the part like two. limited run pressings yeah, and stuff, you know. Insane. Uh, but, well, yeah, we got Candyman in the beginning. Um, the first one, we start with just people telling legends yeah. to uh, Helen Lyle. And played by Jennifer Madsen. I mean, uh, well, uh, well, the legend we do get to see, we have... Virginia Madsen. We have Ted Raimi. Uh, yeah, little yeah. Ted Raimi action. You get a little Ted film. Raimi going on. But uh, like I said, uh, the elegance in this movie, this opening scene, which is terrifying to the characters that are in the story, as a viewer, it's not made to scare us. You know, yeah. That scene isn't made to scare the viewer. It's made to showcase the... Uh, the tale of Candyman, you know, saying his name into the mirror five times. And that scene, it doesn't make you jump or make it, but it yeah. just lets you watch it happen. And there's something almost more grotesque about that, you know? Yeah, it makes you a fly on the wall. Yeah. For these events. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it for this yeah. film. And um, as you go along and Helen actually calls for Candyman in the mirror, um... That first time that they actually, the Candyman is actually on the screen mm-hmm. with Helen, it is, the way it's shot is just so beautiful. And the fact that <clears throat> instead of having this like fight or flight response, she's just kind of frozen in yeah. awe of him. Is that this, uh, the parking garage scene? Yeah. 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 It's broad daylight, you know, she just hears her mm-hmm. name being called. Um, Bernard Rose has a really good way of shooting Virginia Madsen's face in this yeah. movie. Because every time, like, he's, like, has, like, a, uh, a medium shot of her, where it's, like, just her chest up, mm-hmm. it's, like, her face, she has this, like, innocence in her, in her eyes, and, like, the way it's lit. And the angles he uses, mm-hmm. it really accentuates that. Yeah, yeah, like said, it's beautiful looking, and then uh, her performance is just amazing yeah, as well. Incredible. Because this movie makes you sympathize with her, you know. And I think that's one of the strongest things about Candyman, is that for the whole time, uh, we're kind of in a limbo of is it Helen or is it the Candyman? Yeah, and we there's even a point like if if you watch this movie. Uh, it came out in 92, right? Mm-hmm. The, first, the original. If you watched this movie in 92, knowing nothing about it, whenever that dude comes into the bathroom and knocks her out with the hook, like, you'd think that is, like, okay, Candyman's not real. It's yeah. all a legend for real. You looking for Candyman, bitch? And then, like, once Tony Todd shows up and you see the fucking... The bees. He, the bees, yeah. and he opens his chest and it's just a skeleton. Bee, my It is just... That is like the most spine tingling fucking line ever delivered. And it could be a a pun when you type it out. You can throw another E in there. Boom. Be my victim. (laughs) But uh, Cabrini Green, man, the setting uh, for the film, it's uh, one of the most uh, distraught places, you know? It's almost like that that crazy 80s New York setting that you get where it feels feral and. grotesque and we put that whole grody feeling inside of a rundown apartment complex in um the urban area in chicago and we put a white protagonist and we fill her with african-american cast so that gives her a sense of isolation from the get-go because Mm -hmm. of the it's like 
it's not the early '90s in the film, isn't it? Uh, like it's supposed to be like a late '80s in the movie. Um, I don't. Or is the time frame even discussed? I don't at know. All? I don't know that they ever. But discussed racial the time tension frame. is in the air. Yeah. You know, there's comments from the people that live in Cabrini Green towards Helen. You know, why are you here? You're not here mm-hmm. to help us. They associate her with the police. Yeah. You know, and that's a you know, it's a very common thing to do because that's to the only be time fair though. She did have them dressed like cops when they first showed yeah, up. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> she was like, I said dressed conservatively. She, and then her friend's like, We're, we look like fucking cops. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you guys do look like cops. And uh, so I think it was an excellent choice by the filmmakers to make her a best friend, uh, African-American. Yeah. That way uh, we know as a viewer that she isn't a racist cop. And she's not yeah, here just yeah. to profile and look at them like they're all But culprits. she is, though. Yeah. Well, she's not... She's uh, not purposely doing it. Yeah. But there's this white savior kind of mentality to her. She thinks these poor people have assigned this urban legend to real life Yeah, she wants struggles, to figure it out. When in reality, well, depending on which side of the uh, fan theory you fall on, Candyman is real, mm-hmm. and he really is doing some bad shit. And the or well, the the human Candyman that is later arrested, uh, he's doing the bidding of he's keeping the the name of Candyman alive, mm-hmm. so that Candyman doesn't actually have to do anything. So when she takes him off the streets, then the real Candyman has to come back and put the name back into the people's mouths. Yeah. Which, if you ask me, if the sequels were to never happen, if this was the only Candyman film we ever had, I would swear to you up and down that it's just Helen and the film committee yeah. murders. Uh, just the way that it keeps that dangling in the air, and then our you know our final ending where Helen herself becomes a legend. Yeah. Um, I posted on Facebook when I was re-watching this one that the scene at the end... The funeral scene. The funeral scene... When the funeral's over and everybody's about to leave, and all the people from Cabrini Green come, yeah, the big single file, just a single file line down the. Yeah. It's oh my god! One of the best scenes in all cinema. It's really ever. powerful, yeah. Super to powerful. See them come pay their respects. And they put the, the they put the the hook, the Candyman hook, mm-hmm. on top of the coffin as it's being lowered down, and and what was the question you asked? Man, I didn't ask anything. I just said. I thought you when you posted that you asked a question. Was it you asked? Uh, no, no, I asked a different. I did post another thing where I asked a question yeah. about Candyman. Uh, I was asking about did they have to reshoot the death of Daniel Robitaille every time they wanted to show it in the movie? Oh goodness, because they did. Yeah, they totally reshot it for each movie. Wow. And uh, like, well, that's why I love the second movie. The uh, that's what I love about it is just yeah. seeing all of that uh, stuff happen when he was running away from the plantation. And I get them reshooting it for part two. Because it was longer, mm-hmm. uh, more we drawn see out. The scene. whole, basically, yeah, the whole yeah. thing happened. So, but part three, they didn't have to reshoot it. They could have used the they footage. They didn't have to. They must have not three. owned the footage from the last two movies. Yeah. So they had to reshoot it because they didn't own the footage. <laughs> um, that's a whole other. Yeah, another it's a whole other right can of worms. But yeah, like, uh, yeah, Candyman, man, it's just <sighs> fuck. Like, why? Do we we live in a world where people don't know about this movie or haven't seen this movie? Which is insane, man. I think it's uh, one of the most seminal films of all time. Not even a horror film. Just the way it's 
story is developed and implied to the audience gives you a mystery crime drama thriller mm-hmm. story that is an actual it's horror for the characters in the film but i don't think it's a horror film for the audience per se we get good kills but it's not a movie that's going to scare me it's a movie that's going to make me sit down and think and worry about the main character and then think about is it her or is it not her you know i love that that this movie gave me those questions you know it didn't just give me a movie about here's the candy man he's going around yeah. killing here's our final girl that needs to go and stop it all that's not what this movie is you know and from the outside not looking in that's what this movie would probably look like to you when you've seen a bunch of horror movies you know he said okay i know the the story of the slasher and the girl that needs to stop him or the one that gets killed well there is no final girl in this one no no she turns into the villain yeah, yeah but she from the outside looking the in guy. that's what that's how yeah, you would label yeah, yeah. it you know not knowing anything so if you've never watched this movie you know give it a chance if you know anybody that hasn't seen this movie explain to them you know this is not your run of the mill story at all it's it's anything but god it's everything but it's 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 just it's so uh, this movie if i was a if i was a film school teacher this would be required watching for my class yeah whenever you got to like talking about horror or something no just cinematography alone like this for the cinematography alone i think this is required viewing well see and that and that's one of the things you know the cinematography on this isn't grand scale you know, uh, I think Cabrini Green itself lends its hand mm-hmm. just to being that location to where however think, you're in there shooting it. I think that if, you, that if you've seen it, it when, once you see it on a big screen, you really understand. Like, because I understood, I, I knew it was a nice, a well shot film mm-hmm. before. But when I saw it last Halloween on the big screen at Airsley, it changed my whole perspective <laughs> of the film. It looks, it's a completely different film on a yeah. big screen. So, like, th- this would have to be something that I would have to, like, you know, I would just want to sh- I want to show this to people on a big screen. Like, a huge fucking IMAX, right. 4K restoration, big shit. Just, it would blow people's fucking minds. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, Candyman 1, the very first Candyman, 5 out of 5, classic all day. Right. Uh, fun fact about this film you know uh I've heard, i'm sure you heard about tony todd getting stung while he had all the bees in his mouth yeah, and stuff. yeah. uh did you know he negotiated one thousand dollars for each bee sting in his contract yeah, totaling yeah. up to 23 grand just for bee stings mm-hmm. which is really cool you know you get yeah. 23k and considering how many stung. bees were on him for him to only have been stung 23 yeah. times like now, I do know that Helen got stung as well, but I don't think she got paid for any of this. No. <laughs> Tony Todd was the smart no. one here. Yeah. Uh, she was actually, like, very allergic to the stings as well, but I think they did something to prevent it. Yeah, Those bees they... are actually the same bees from My Girl. Oh, are yeah, they? The same bees That's from wild. My Girl. And fried green tomatoes. That's both, insane. They were both filmed the year before. Wow. So those bees have a lot of screen time. They're big yeah, actors. They got, they got three IMDb yeah. credits right now. Uh, two, more than 200,000 of them. They, they're wow. They're just all going from movie set to movie set, being big stars, man. That's insane. <laughs> that is nuts. All right. So we've talked about the best. Let's talk about the rest. Oh, let's just spend more time talking about uh, the first one. You know, I don't hate the sequels. A lot of people do. I don't hate the second one. I like the second one. 
Yeah, and, and a lot of the, and, and the more more people like the second one than like the third one, for sure. Third one's pretty much universally hated. I don't really hate the third one either, though. So, but part two is you know a solid sequel. It gives us a little more backstory for uh, Daniel Robitaille, aka uh, Candyman. Which is which is like why I like it because you know it fleshed out the whole the uh, the plantation story of running away and it showed us the entire thing go down yeah so that was cool as a viewer and you know, a fan of the mythology from the first film but this movie by existing does automatically take all of that Helen is it her is it the Candyman takes yeah. it and throws it away which yeah. I think weakens the first film. I don't think it really in does, retrospect. I don't think it really it does anything to the first impact. movie. I just think that it, um, it, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you look at it now, as versus the time, yeah. I mean, personally, I don't think it takes away anything from the movie from the first movie. It just changes it to where it but actually it, just, it was yeah, never. It, it was does, always the Candyman. It does give you that canon of it. It was the Candyman yeah. for real, um, which. Is now being retconned though, so technically it's not canon anymore. Yep, which was you know um, probably where how they should have went. But yeah, we wouldn't be here with an episode today if they didn't. Farewell to the flesh. We start out with our, our uh, only returning character from the first movie, the uh, know-it-all professor. Yeah, He's very odd-looking man. He has that face that just like does not go away in your head after you see him, man. He looks like he could play the penguin. Yeah, in a he's got movie. the very elongated round face. Like his, uh, what's the shape? That's an oval. He has yeah. an oval face. Yeah. <laughs> it's very it, odd. He looks. He almost looks like a younger Hitchcock. Yeah, in a in a way. Yeah, and he um basically opens up with him just doing the Candyman story. Yeah, and then we have uh his fake Candyman comes out to scare everyone, but then he's accosted. On the way out by, yes. uh, who is now in this film becomes basically our Helen for the movie. Because we don't know. If Halfway. It's, yeah. Yeah. Him and his sister yeah, and are, his the sister are the Helen of the Helen film. Of the film yeah. And uh, he's mad because his dad just died. Right. What yeah. His, his dad became upset, had became obsessed with Candyman yep. and reached out to the professor for help. Yeah. The professor did nothing. Did and, nothing. He blames the professor dad dies dude's upset mad and shit mm. uh so he attacks but then him we, at the uh, bar our professor yeah gets killed by the candy man yeah candy man gets him in the bathroom mm-hmm. um in one of the bloodiest kills in the franchise probably yeah definitely the bloodiest kill in this yeah. movie too the sequels i, I want to say this about the sequels they definitely amped up the kills the gore yeah the, the third one had just, uh, the best kills, but they just felt so unnecessary oh, for man. some of it. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it definitely is unnecessary, but we'll get to that. Uh, part two is just... But part two uh, keeps, we keep a good mystery story yeah. in this, and that's what I appreciated about this film. Uh, besides the backstory, we get this, these descendants of the love interest of Daniel Robitaille. Yeah. And what was her name? Mm. Uh, the main character's name? Uh, Caroline. Caroline was the yeah. woman he fell in love with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're descendants. Uh, grand, grandkids, right? Yeah, yeah. the great-grandkid uh, great or grandkid. Yeah, because the Something. Mo- next three is the great-grandkid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're the grandkids of Candyman. And then we have a uh, 
what's I forget the term for it, but we have the mirror, which is the cod piece yes, of the film. Yes, I mean, the, the conduit. Ha- the conduit, yeah. yes, has to be destroyed. We got the whole backdrop of Louisiana. Which is a great setting for this During film. During Mardi yeah. Gras. Yeah, uh, New Orleans is always a great scenic area, man. Uh, no matter what movie you have Especially there, Especially for awesome. horror, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love Hatchet, you know, yeah. the whole series is, is great there. Uh, it just has this this life of its own. Yeah, you know, it really it comes does. through on camera so well. And uh, our main character, Caroline, is a... Or no, not Caroline, that's not her name, that's her... That's the love interest name. What's the main character's name for this one? We are looking at Annie. Yes, Annie. That's it. Uh, Annie is a school teacher. She teaches in like this rundown urban school, which is cool because we now we get the urban feel again. We yeah, have a white yeah. woman teaching all African American children. Yeah. Actually, probably being more helpful to the community than Helen ever was. Yeah, because Helen was just meddling. You know? <laughs> Helen, Helen was, meddling was just cop. coming down from her ivory tower to yeah. save the, the and here poor we have people. A, we have a frontline worker, you know, actually yeah, <laughs> out yeah. in the midst of it. We get um, we get some terrified kids. Those kids are all yeah, scared they're of the all scared of Candyman. We, we get a it. great, a great small but powerful performance from Bill Nunn in this movie. Uh, I can't believe we skipped over. Little dude from the first man from the first movie. We didn't even mention him. Who? The main black kid in the movie. Oh yeah, we little did not kid. even mention him. Oh man, he's great. He steals the whole movie. He's dude. so he's, fucking great. He's adorable. The final fire scene where he's there, yeah, uh, leading the people he's, of Cabrini Green. He is like the um, he's like the motif that holds everything together. Yeah, he's the glue of that yeah. film, and really sells it. I can't believe we didn't mention him. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention him at all, but we did mention the. The hook being thrown onto yeah. the grave. He does that. He's yeah. the one that actually places the hook on the grave. Uh, we have a similar kid. kid. We Oscar. have a similar kid in this one. Yeah, the artist who is drawing, drawing pictures of Candyman. And his father is a reverend. Yes, that's who I'm talking about. Bill yeah. Nunn. Yeah, he's he has that. He has the really bold performance, even mm-hmm. though it's such a small uh, role. He's barely in the movie. Yeah, this is two to three scenes. Yeah, yeah. Looking, looking for a son. But he's a great. He's a great underrated actor, though. Uh, Radio Rahim and Do the Right Thing. Um, <laughs> Sal's Pizzeria. <laughs> he's in. He's in all kinds of stuff. It's the first line that comes to my head. It's all anybody small says that roles, but it's like, yeah. he's just such a presence on the well, screen. Uh, Gus Fring can do the right thing too. Yeah, yeah. Boombox. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Candyman too. It's it's just it's pretty much you know more of the first movie. Just kind of expands on that world. It, it, it retcons the Helen being the killer. It also retcons Candyman uh, being a Cabrini Green local. You know, the plantation well, is now in New Orleans. See, um, in the in the um, it says he's born. He was born in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say he was that the events happened in Louisiana. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. It the does? whole thing happens in Louisiana huh. now because that's where the final thing takes place is at the plantation house. Yeah, I mean, I knew that, but I just was like, yeah, it's all now in Louisiana. I thought it yeah. was still Cabrini nope. Green. Not at all. Hmm. Yeah, we we lost that whole Cabrini Green plotline and the Helen plotline when uh, we did the story for this film. Well, that's all seen it written by a different writer. You know, yeah. Uh, based on the first film, different director, whole different team. Luckily enough, we still kept Tony Todd. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Like uh, by the grace of God, we still had Tony Todd. And I love, I still love Farewell to the Flesh. 
Not Dude, I, I enjoy the end, uh, the set design of the yeah. end, I think, is probably my favorite in the series. Uh, just the old, decrepit plantation house filling up with water and mud, you know, there's yeah. something about that that just feels inescapable. It is a really good climax. I like it. Movie, and, for and sure. It, it just feels cinematic to you. Yeah. Know? Like, something that feels like this, yeah, this is a movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Compared to the final scene of three where she's just climbing on an ant pile of, of bones where, like, they tried to build a set and it just didn't happen <laughs> um do you know if part two got a theatrical release uh, i don't know if it did or not part two i think part three was direct to video yeah part three is definitely direct to video um i can't remember if two was a direct to video or not well i didn't uh it didn't say I don't. I don't think so, actually, because it didn't say it was released on DVD until August twenty eighth, two thousand one, by MGM. Mm, okay, so it must have had a theatrical release, yeah. release then. Yeah, that's the first home media release. It mm. says is Farewell to the Flesh wow. by MGM, August twenty eighth, two thousand one. That's pretty wild. Yeah, uh, critical reception twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, doubling down on gore while largely abandoning the subtext and wit that made the original worthwhile. Farewell to the Flesh disappoints. Huh. I wouldn't say that it disappoints, but it definitely does kind of... <laughs> this cloddish sequel undermines its Revenge of the Repressed premise with racist scare tactics. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Everybody's entitled to their opinion. I do, uh, I do think that the first movie is just a different caliber film. It is. Than part it two. really is, man. It's, and, it's an, and for every reason, man, put that movie on a pedestal. Part two is, is fine. It's a fine movie yeah and like like it's like any sequel that just wasn't as good as the first one if this existed without the first one it'd be perfect it'd be great but unfortunately they had the displeasure of making Candyman 2 and they could not live up to the big 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 huge shoes that Bernard Rose put out there yeah and boy I still give it a four out of five, because I think it's still a very quality movie. But it has a big shadow over it mm-hmm. from Candyman. One. And I, I've got to give it a three just because of the taking away of the mythology of the first film, and just not giving you exactly what you expected, but still delivering on the uh, myth- mytho end for a scene yeah. more of that backstory, no matter where it took place. All right, I guess it's time to talk about the elephant in the room. Day of the Dead. Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. Which uh, basically just gives us an eye candy protagonist that has got to say is one of the worst actresses I've ever had the pleasure of watching. Um, Normally, to me, horror movies and babes go hand in hand. It's like chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, This is not the babe role. This is more like chocolate and vinegar. Yeah. They should have gave me uh, <laughs> a... You know, that's why I appreciate Virginia Madsen. Because Virginia Madsen yeah. didn't look like some woman that's going to make you turn your head. you know. But she was still beautiful. Yes. But she had that regular charm to her. Very everyday. S- yep, same thing with the protagonist for the second film. Yeah. But then all of a sudden we had Candyman Day of the Dead. And we've got some chick with huge a fake blonde bombshell. tits. Huge fake tits. And hard nips the entire film. 
the entire fucking her, movie. And I think I was it's because like, they're fake. I don't know how that works. I just think, I think it was a purpose. I think it was like, did they have a buffer? Let's make set cold. Yeah. So that her nipples are hard yeah, the like entire time. Yeah, like on sets, they have fluffers that keep you hard. Insane. Like somebody just kept rubbing her nipples Stupid. with ice or something. It was very distracting. Uh, I didn't, so that's one thing I didn't like mm. at all. Um, now we're in L.A., and there's an art gallery owner. Boyle Heights. Uh, yeah. Who is displaying all of the art of Daniel Robitaille, the Candyman, uh, to claim profit. And then we get a copy fucking cat scene of the opening scene from Candyman 2. Yeah. They do the entire scene beat for beat where they say Candyman five times at the lecture. And this is the lecture in the second film, art gallery in this film. And then a fake Candyman comes out. Yeah. That's an actor. And, okay, thanks for rehashing that scene for me, because it, it was done so much better in the, in the second film. I think they did it better in the third film. Yeah. The fake can't, the fake attack. Yeah, because it's, it's more, it's it's a person coming after the guy. But I couldn't look at it as better, because I'd already seen it, you know? And I yeah. appreciate the second one, because it was our one returning character. Yeah. And then he got his just desserts right after. I think the, I think the third one's better because the people that are at the art gallery leave thinking it's real. There's no reveal. Right. There's no pullback of the curtain. That's just our actor. Yeah. <laughs> our candy man. That's what he says. This is our candy man. Our <laughs> actor, David De La Haz, I think yeah. is the character name. Is that the one from Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes. That, that is, uh, he is, I think his name is Ja Garcia or something. Yeah. Um... Don't quote me on that because that's probably not his name for real. But he he's billed as Nick Corey in uh, um, Nightmare on Elm Street because yeah, they were trying Nick, to play Nick him. Corey in this too. Uh, no, he's he's billed under his real name for Candyman Three. Oh, I have it here is Nick Corey, but you go to Zoo Garcia, JSU Garcia. Yeah, is that it? Mm-hmm. Zoo Garcia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, so for, he, the reason he was billed as Nick Corey for um, Nightmare was because uh, they didn't think they would hire a Latino actor. Yeah. So they wanted him to be played off as Italian, uh, which is funny because, like, he is clearly Hispanic. Right. Like, this guy's not Italian at all. Uh, another thing I didn't appreciate about Candyman Day of the Dead is that they gave us Tony Todd again, but they gave him literally no new dialogue almost no. in this movie at all everything he said in this film was a repeat of his one-liners from the first two films yep he had uh one scene where like and i mentioned this to you off air before we uh spoke this film feels like a softcore porn yeah the the way it's lit uh our actress being uh f- fake boobs and hard nips the entire time uh, and then there's uh, two sex scenes in the film, which is our first for Candyman. There's no sex scenes in the first two, right? Not that I remember. Not at all. There's nudity. There's yeah. like, nudity, but it's not sexual nudity. And we got hard either. nips in the first one, too. Yeah, but, but it's not sexual, end. either. Um, this movie had sexual sh- sexual sex, and we even get to see Tony Todd get uh, Caroline naked, which I felt like... Okay, I understand, but like, what well, was necessary about this at all? Uh, and then it had even the Showtime Cinemax music playing. Uh. What? No, no Philip Glass score, you know, at all present in this film. Uh, it was released by Artisan Entertainment, mm-hmm. which was a different distributor than the first two, so maybe that is why they had to reshoot 
some of that background stuff again. But all in all, to me, this movie does feel unnecessary in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, definitely an unnecessary sequel. Not as bad as I think people pan it as. Nah. Like it gets it gets a lot more shit than it deserves. Um, if for only the fact that pretty much every actor in the movie besides the main character are good. Yeah, everybody's yeah, good. She is the cops. So bad. Uh, Nick Corey's character. Yeah, the chubbier cop who comes out as. He gets blamed for the Candyman yeah, killings yeah. at the end. You know, he's kind of a menacing guy in the yeah. film. He's not terrible. But uh, I, some of the kills in this are just so bizarre as well. We get a guy hanging from meat hooks. Like, that mm. felt so out of place yeah. to me. The kills were definitely, They like, were upped. The ante was up, but they were all uh, completely different. They were not what, Candyman what kills. What year did this movie come out? 99. Okay, so we're trying to... We're, they're... They're trying to compete with Scream. Yeah. Got, so they're putting in maximum effort they, on the kills. They did. I think what would have been a good concept for a sequel that never happened was would to be, now that we had the Helen Lyle story, we had the backstory with two, I think with three they should have tried to give us a full-on Candyman slasher film, a victim that we know nothing about, that has no ties to the Robotov yeah. family, ties to the story, and then just falls into the Candyman legend itself. Mm-hmm. Like, we never got that straight-up movie. They just kept trying to add on backstory and build off of it with this, with us yeah. having a great-granddaughter of it. it I, just I, love, um, I love the fact that in every movie, somebody says to the main character, sweet, sweet to the sweet. sweet. Yeah, we only see it in the first film. Nobody actually says it, do they? Nobody says it? No, I think we only see it written in shit. And, and, the spray first time, and spray painted it. Yeah, and then the two. first time we hear it is in two from the guy at, at the, the snow cone at shop. the snow cone yeah. thing. Which we get a really cool shot of him making the snow cone. <laughs> it's like a little yeah, seven seconds of snow cone commercial in the middle of that movie. Uh, uh, New Orleans. And then he had that, that really cool back room that we didn't mention either. Yeah, that whole yeah. location was a really cool location. With all the Candyman artifacts. Yeah, all the artifacts. Almost like a museum, you know. I really yeah. liked that set. It was really cool. Um, Three, no. We do not get any of those sets. We get a no. cool bloody suicide by her mom in the bathtub. Yeah. But then we see it uh, too many times. It's almost like the car crash in Enter the Void by Gaspar Noé. We, we get a little... We get, a, we get some good art, though. The, the art pieces that they have at the gallery yeah. are really nice looking. But um, then the end of it kind of ruined it for me. You destroyed the art, destroyed the Candyman. Fuck out of here. They had to come up with some way to kill him, though. Oh, God. And then she, like, slips and falls, basically, to the chance to start the fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the only <clears throat> thing good about Donna D'Erica, the girl that was there, is that she posed nude in Playboy. And yeah. she had a blonde bush. So I that's mean, cool. You know, like, that's a, that's a rarity. You ever seen Pinocchio's Revenge? No. I highly recommend you watch that. It's about Pinocchio killing people. Okay. It's from the 90s, but you do get full-on blonde bush in that movie. It's like the only blonde bush I've ever seen on film in a movie. Yeah. If, if you guys are listening out there and you know... I feel like we're... Uh, you ever seen Knocked Up? Yeah. And we're just discussing yeah. the bushes. We do the, the, uh, got the blonde. I mean, our audience is pretty much all males at this yeah. point. Yeah. I think we've seriously we've scared off every woman that has ever listened to this podcast well i mean once we started with um, the, uh, the melon heavy breast talk you know i mean i guess we we should i mean i don't know i feel like we cater to lesbians too since we talk about ladies a lot well i mean that's what <laughs> sells a lot of horror movies that's what yeah, it did yeah, for, yeah. for 
for certain audience Plus, members, who knows know? how accurate those demographic things are on the website. Exactly. Like, I'm sure we have a lot of female listeners, too. Well, if, you're, if you're a lady that listens to this show or we're pretty inoffensive. non-binary, come on and uh, show some love. Let us know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, Candyman, Day of the Dead. You're going to hate me. I still give it a 4 out of 5. No, just because it. it's Candyman. You gave it a higher score than 2? No, 2 is 4 out of 5, too. It's 4 out of 5 as well. It's a 1 out of 5. I think, they're, I think they're both as good as each other. Um, Oof. There might be a okay. I'll give us. I'll give a four point five to two. Yeah, because <laughs> it does have a little bit of an advantage. I think it's funny that you made two go up and you kept three at the same place. Yeah, <laughs> I would make three go down. But yeah, I mean they're fun for what they are. The sequels, right? And the first one is good because it's just objectively good. It's an objectively good movie. If you don't like Candyman, there's something wrong with you, not the movie. Right, yeah. Candyman is, is one of those movies that will go down in history as a seminal film, not just for being horror, you know, just for telling a good damn story. I will fight people over Candyman. Yeah, I have actually now as an adult, like, Candyman's a stronger movie than Nightmare on Elm Street, than Friday the 13th, than any of those. You know, those movies are seminal because of their franchise, you know, because of their character. Yeah. Candyman's seminal because it's... It's, it's a damn good movie. movie. Yeah. 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 Through and through. The best I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say the best pure film out of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh uh franchise is New Nightmare. That's what I was just about to say, New Nightmare, yeah. And it gets it gets fucking hated on. Mm-hmm. Is, is Everybody thinks one and three are the best. Nah. New Nightmare's the no, best. No, I mean three is my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I but wouldn't consider New Nightmare. As far Nightmare as as far as like quality of movie though mm-hmm. like w- how well made it is this new nightmare yeah. every day all day um sure it's it, and it's not my favorite in the franchise it's one of my favorites it's it also there. the movie has fan service in it too like how do people not like that we get the whole trilogy arc completed from uh Nancy. it's like it's like that back to the future meme you're not ready for it but your kids are gonna love it yeah <laughs> Because, I mean, oh, you're not ready for it's that fucking one. great. Hey, kids are going to love it. But, yeah, that's our Candyman episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Sweet. Too sweet. Um, we had to record this one in advance because Cagney's going to be out of town next week. They're working on a TV show. Um, we are still raising money for the movie. Yes. We're going to shoot at the end of the month. Uh, t-shirts are selling well, man. T-shirts are selling well. We're almost out of large in the color. We got one last colored large shirt. So if you're a large individual, not an extra large or a two extra large, <laughs> then <laughs> no, dude, you're two extra large. Then uh, like to hit us up quickly because they might be gone soon. Uh, we do have. I think we still got all five of the large uh, black and white ones. So you still got a little bit of a chance to get a, a large shirt right um but yeah our indiegogo is linked all over our social medias and you can go on there and donate uh you can donate directly to us if you don't feel like going through a uh service site or right. whatever um yeah somebody paid me on facebook messenger for one of the yeah. shirts so there's tons of ways you can help support independent cinema I have a fun going right now on my personal Facebook because I don't have a car because I was in an accident. Uh, so I'm trying to raise money for that, too. Yeah, Ryan broke every bone in his body. Yep. 
That's why but, I'm uh, naked. he's also a super spongy guy, if you didn't know that. <laughs> so he's just cool. He's able to be. Yeah, I'm just fluid. Yeah, he's able to still just live, man. I'm like a Elastigirl. Yeah, yeah. but from the inside out. Yeah. <laughs> She's dummy thick. So go on and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Martell's Movie Madness. On Twitter at Movie Madness 69. Check out that Patreon. Patreon.com slash Martell's Movie Madness. Early access episodes. Bonus content. History of trauma. No. Beginner's Guide to Trauma. Yeah, Beginner's Guide to Trauma. <laughs> we didn't do no history. Fuck all that noise. Mm, we don't know enough. Well, maybe we can one day. Yeah, possibly. Well, dude, fuck it. I did read Make Your Own Damn Movie. Dude, let's just like read out loud books on there. On the, for the let's bonus do, episodes? We'll do popcorn reading. Like, Ryan, your turn. <laughs> Cagney, let them know where they can find you. You can find me on the internet at Cagney Larkin on Facebook. Cagney likes this on Instagram. Cags loves movies on Twitter. Uh, Movie Madness 69 for the Martell's Movie Madness Twitter and at Martell's Movie Madness on Instagram. And if you guys all follow us, literally, we can start like a conga line of followers. And yeah. Big Martell's Movie Madness, The Dance. D. Snyder liked one of the Martell's Movie Madness uh, tweets on Twitter the Dude, other day. I hope he didn't cuss in it. He's going to take nah. us to court. No, I totally... Um, <laughs> I replied to an Adam Green tweet. That's yeah. what got the like. What, what They're you... tweeting about Holliston. Yeah. Oh, it's like, hell yeah, I can't wait to watch yeah. it. Yeah, Yeah, I, I like season one, man, but Holliston, it's a very polarizing show, dude. Yeah. It's, it's trying to do one joke, and they keep it going, you know? It doesn't, mm. uh, he doesn't know it ever really let off of that, because I think that show did need a little room to breathe. Yeah. Because he takes that initial... Uh, concept and just keeps it going, but he had fun with it, man. I love all the characters that are in it and stuff, but it's just it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, I hope this is a six. I hope this uh, run on Shutter is successful for we'll him. Give him another season. They can get man. another season. I think as far as he's come now and as many ideas as he's had, a Holliston season yeah, three would be dude. super fun. Yeah. So thank y'all for listening. See you next week. And we're gonna talk about uh excellent bogus. No, no, that's stuff. that's gonna be before this. It's going to come oh. out before this. I hope you guys liked last week's episode where we talked about excellent bogus stuff. Yeah. Next week, I don't know what we're doing yet. No, not yet. But uh, stay tuned, man. It should be excellent. Let's watch some fucking movies. <laughs> Hello, creeps and ghouls. You're listening to Martell's Movie Madness with your host, Ryan Martell and Cagney Larkin. So grab your popcorn and try to survive. The Movie Madness! <laughs>